All right, we've got a great episode of Side Retired. It is Dylan and Matt, as always, and today we're going to be joined by a very special guest. So Matt, let's hit the intro music and get right into this. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Side Retired. It's Dylan Campione and Matt Potter. And Matt, before we introduce our guest, how you doing? Doing pretty well. It's been a while since I've since I've been on an episode, so happy to be back. It's snowing right now in South Bend, unfortunately, but um, I guess I can watch I can watch some spring training games and, and maybe soak in the warmth through the TV. Absolutely. And today we're joined by the digital director at Herdat Sports, Anna Bellinghausen. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I know the first question that we tend to ask all of our guests is just in case some of our listeners might not know who you are or what your sports journey is, if you sort of want to begin with just a basic brief bio of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So like you mentioned, I'm the digital director at Herd at Sports. It's a digital media platform uh, based in Omaha, Nebraska. So right here in the Midwest, cover all things Creighton, Omaha, Nebraska, and then also on the national scale, too, between College World Series, of course, that comes around here, and then March Madness, NFL Draft, really whatever we can get out and cover is, is kind of our MO. But as for personal journey for me, just really started with um, that dream to be a sideline reporter growing up watching college game day, Samantha Ponder, and, you know, wanting to be her and um, just seeing that path and in, in career and being so interested in it and playing sports, I ran track and field at uh, Nebraska Omaha my first couple of years and then decided to really hone in on my craft and career and, and go the journalism route fully. So yeah, from there, it's been great. I, I currently do freelance TV for CBS Sports Network, some Big Ten stuff, um, also with the Summit League, with the Big East Conference. So kind of all around um, whoever needs help, I'll, I'll be most willing to work with. And yeah, any TV, radio, podcasts of course and then my full time being heard at sports so very busy as you can imagine but it's it's been a blast no absolutely I love it and sort of following up with what you said at the beginning is that college experience where you're an athlete but as well you wanted to get into that journalism industry what was it like balancing those two and at what point did you decide hey athletes I'm not going to be that forever let's start tapping into the journalism which is going to be my future yeah it's a great question and I think it it really hit me probably early sophomore year, the end of my freshman season, and just of how much time you put in as a student athlete. I mean, being around athletics, we know how much goes into practices and lifting, but until you're really in it as a student athlete, it's it's kind of hard to grasp just how much time it is, but also how mentally draining it can be and, you know, not wanting to, to do too much outside of your sport. And I felt that I just wanted to hone in on my craft and, and really – decide to make the leap to you know not continue my sport anymore and rather move into my career which I knew would be ultimately what I want to do I knew I was never going to go pro in track and field and even if I did it's not really a, a, a long career that you can have or one that will you know support you the whole way through so um, I think it was a realization about my sophomore year I remember just being in a workout and looking out the window and seeing the journalism building and being like well I kind of wish I was over there more you know getting um, getting reps in and getting on the radio with our student radio station 
rather than, you know, doing these 200 meter workouts, which, which aren't fun in general, but um, yeah, I think it was just that realization and, and wanting to um, just fully go in on my career and just, I haven't looked back since. And it's, it's been a great decision. I love my time as a student athlete. And I think that built me as a person and um, just in discipline, especially. And I think it helps open doors um, in the sports world too. But yeah, really happy with my decision and it's paid off. Yeah. And you talked about honing your craft a, a few times now, Dylan and I are both, we're both business guys. We don't, we don't know too much about the social media journalism front. Um, and we've kind of just learned through trial and error, trying different things out. And then, you know, every, every week or so we meet and figure out what works and what doesn't, but you know, what's it like, I guess, to have a formal training in journalism and, and, you know, do you think that your college years were useful or do you think, you know, what, what is it like to, to be a journalism student and then eventually to get out on the field and, and apply those skills? Yeah, I think college um, really helped me learn the X's and O's the most of like how to frame an interview, how to ask questions, how to make a resume, how to make a reel, like how to edit on Premiere Pro. But I think what took it to the next step was all the experience outside of the classroom. And I think most people will say that too. Like you can be the best student all you want, but it really won't separate you um, with the experience piece. You have to have that hands-on um, internship or even just volunteer experience or working with your athletic department. Like that is so huge um, as a college student. And I think a lot of people are so willing to help um, college students more than when you get, you know, out in the field and you're kind of just on your own with whatever resume and reel you have at that point. So uh, school taught me so much. I mean, I wouldn't um, discount any of the classes or anything. I think they're, they serve a huge purpose, but um, I think what I learned most was from most was just shadowing my mentors, um, sending my pieces of work to people I looked up to and saying, hey, can you just tear this apart? And, you know, they did. And that's that's how you learn and get critiques. And I was a good student, too, and, and graduated with great grades. But I mean, nobody nobody asks for your GPA or your ACT score, as we all know. So um, what really counts, uh, I think, is that that out of out of school experience, out of the classroom that I think served me most and, and just taking that initiative to to do something like you guys are doing right now with the podcast and and just finding ways to create opportunities for yourself. Absolutely. And then following along that line, what were those sort of first internships, jobs in the industry and the quote unquote breaking into the media world like? Yeah, uh, my first one ever was actually with USA Curling, as crazy as that is. I don't know if you guys are familiar with curling. Have you ever, ever watched that before? I couldn't tell you any rules, but I know that it exists. <laughs> yeah, so that was like my first thing ever. Um, we had an email sent out to actually all the student athletes and USA Curling was in town because they they host the Olympic trials here in Omaha and they had an extra event. It was like a World Cup event um, at Baxter Arena where um, UNO is located. And they're like, hey, any journalism student athletes like looking for an internship because we need somebody to help write some stories and do some reporting. And I remember getting that email and just getting goosebumps. I don't know why, but I was like, I know this is meant for me. Like, I know I need to do this. So I did the internship with USA Curling. Meanwhile, I was still a student athlete. So I was like going from two practices to a curling rink at night and, and did that for like two weeks straight while they were in town. Um, but that was so cool. And just seeing how the sports world worked. And I think that was like my big wow moment of I want to be here. I want to do this. Um, so yeah, I did that internship and then shortly after joined MAP Radio, which is our student run radio station at Nebraska Omaha. And um, really those two things set me up for all the other opportunities I would get 
later on. But yeah, I wouldn't be where I am without those two things. And it's, and a lot of that's just saying yes and not being afraid to put yourself out there. Absolutely. And it seems like, you know, Omaha, Nebraska is, is your home. Um, and you've been there for a while. Creighton basketball is, you know, one of the best basketball programs for the past decade or so. What does the program mean to Omaha? What's it like in Omaha when Creighton's rocking? You know, I mean, I, I can imagine they kind of take over the city to a certain extent, but what, you know, what does that team mean to the city? Yeah, so much. And it's been so cool just growing up in Omaha as a Creighton basketball fan. They're in the Missouri Valley before, you know, playing Drake and Illinois State and those teams. Um, so it's been really cool to see them grow and not only like the team and program grow, but also the facilities too. They started at the Civic Center, which was probably six to 7,000 maybe. And now they play at the CHA Health Center, which is 18,000. And they get they sell out all their games and pretty much get 16 to 17 consistently in that building. Um, and it's, it's really cool just what Greg McDermott's built here in Omaha because, you know, going from the Missouri Valley to the Big East is a huge jump, right? You're playing with the best teams in college basketball all of a sudden. And they had to figure out how to make that transition work. And Doug McDermott, I mean, that's a huge part of it. Obviously, one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. And Ethan Rogge, Jahans Managa, and those guys still come back and um, soak in the atmosphere at games when they can. And it's just really cool to see what they've built. But yeah, to your point, the whole city rallies around Creighton. And it's funny, though, because in Nebraska, people are either usually Creighton basketball fans or Husker football fans. And then everyone gets crap for being a Husker football fan in Creighton. They, they call them a J-sker. So like, you'll hear that term a lot. But it's still cool, though, even if you are a fan of both, it doesn't matter, in my opinion. But um, it's fun just having a premier college basketball team in the city and something to really rally behind and Brayton's a special team it's a special place and like they all all the guys always say um it's just a family culture and you can see that with what Greg's built here um in Omaha and he loves it here so it's it's been fun to watch it's a great program I love it. Matt always loves to mention basketball teams that have swept my Georgetown Hoyas out and of course <laughs> Creighton was one of those teams this year but Baseball rematch coming up later this spring, so we'll see what happens on that front. But I know one of the other things that you've started to mention, you've been in college baseball, you've seen college basketball, you've seen curling and a bunch of other sports. What's it like to basically have your hands dipped in all these different baskets as opposed to just focusing on one sport? Yeah, it's another good question, too, because there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they're just an NFL reporter and they focus on that and that's their you know, that's their sole thing. But most reporters that you'll find have gone through so many different sports. A good example, I think, is Chris Button with ESPN. She's She does college baseball, basketball, softball, literally every single sport. She does football, too. And she's still an expert on all of them. So I think that's the biggest challenge is, like, keeping up with every single sport as you would um, if you were just the biggest fan of it, right? Because like volleyball, for example, I wasn't as big into growing up, but I've gotten into a, so much more just because I cover it consistently here in Nebraska. So I think just like following all those teams and just following the national storylines, it's definitely a challenge. Like in a perfect world, I think everyone wishes that they could just have one sport, one team to focus on and like really um, hit home with. But I love the fact that I get to work with so many different teams and so many different sports you never get bored because you're always in a, a different season. And like, I just love every sport for a different reason. And it's cool to be able to not just have one team, but rather, you know, focus on five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, um, whatever it may be. And yes, that's hard. And it comes with its own challenges, but like, that's so exciting. There's so many people to meet and so many stories to tell. So it's a challenge, but it's also really fun. 
Absolutely. And I'm sure you have a ton of stories to tell with Herdat Sports. I see you have it on your sweatshirt and you yeah. mentioned it right there. Um, can you take us through, you know, a little bit more of what that is, what you guys do, and and maybe take us through a little more of what your role is as uh, director of social media for them? For sure. So it's it actually just launched in June of 2022. So it's a fairly young branch of the company. And I say branch because Herdat as a brand's been around for a decade or more. Um, and, and this is just a part of the company. So we have entertainment side, a media side, and then um, our sports branch as well. So uh, it's an awesome part of the company that was kind of the brainchild of Bill Hipshire, our CEO. And he asked me and Andrew Rogers, one of my colleagues um, in Omaha to kind of come in and, and build this new sports brand that's never really been done before. Nebraska has a lot of traditional media and that being newspapers and TV stations and whatnot that cover sports, but we didn't have like a solid digital presence of one um, specific platform that really hones in on Nebraska. And I think that's what we, we wanted to like bridge that gap of generations, because as we all know, like we're on Instagram reels, we're on TikTok, right? We're not as much reading newspapers anymore. And that's fine. I think they're there needs to be something served to the younger generation for um, how they ingest content. And a lot of that is visuals and graphics and maybe not reading a full article, but we can tell it in a short one minute TikTok video. And I think it's basically just finding ways to tell a story differently in, in different platforms, whether that be TikTok, like I mentioned, or Instagram or you know, a swipe through graphic. It can be as simple as that. But I think our generation just wants to consume media in a different way. And I think we're at the forefront of that, of um, telling stories in Nebraska a little bit different. And that's kind of our MO on that front. I love it. Absolutely. And obviously the thing with our generation is everyone's on Instagram, everyone's on mm -hmm. TikTok and all these different platforms. And at the same time, a lot of content creators are trying to do that. And they're trying to be on all these platforms. So what advice would you give to maybe someone who's just starting or others who are starting to break into the industry that, hey, how do I make myself unique versus if a hundred people enter the industry in the same day, how can I be one of those top five mm -hmm. or those top 10 that people actually recognize? For sure. I think it's just about building your own brand and, and using your own voice. And I think a lot of that has to do with being transparent. And I'm sure a lot of the creators that we all watch, you love them, maybe not because of what they create, but rather their personality and how they deliver what they're saying or how they do their get ready with me or whatever it is. Um, you want to attach yourself to that person and feel like you're a part of their life. So I think if you're trying to be a content creator and um, in sports or entertainment, whatever it is, I think using your own voice, using your own personality is huge and building your brand again, like make sure that everything you post on social media, you know, it has a purpose, has intent. Um, and you just are aware that there's eyes out there watching. So um, I think something that I always tell people is make sure your username is also like something that you didn't write in uh, sixth grade or whatever. Like we all have those funny usernames and whatnot that were created so long ago. So I think like having your name or like my Instagram handle or Twitter handles at Annabelle Media. So having something like that, whether it's TV, radio, whatever you want it to be, but also like taking yourself seriously too, like you're a journalist, like own it. And even if you're still in school, like I, I still think it's fair to put, you know, journalism in your, in your bio, let people know who you are and don't be afraid to post your content. I think is another thing. Like, I remember the first times I posted my interviews, freshman or sophomore year, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cringy. Like, I hate this. I don't want anyone to watch it, but you just have to get over it. Like 
own yourself, own your voice. Like everyone's so unique for, for a reason. And I think um, once you get over like the nervousness of posting and what people are going to think, that's when you really um, come out of your shell because anybody that's hating on people for posting <laughs> themselves on social media, are probably just jealous that they don't do it themselves. So um, I, my advice is just be yourself, find your voice and yeah, build that brand that you, you want to be proud of. Absolutely. In terms of finding your own voice, as you mentioned, you know, this is, this is definitely a male dominated industry and and sometimes it's hard for, for women to find opportunities because of that. You know, could you take us through maybe what being a woman in sports is like for you and what that means to you? You know, we've had many different women from all kinds of areas of baseball come on the pod and they've had completely different answers to this question. So I'm, I'm super curious to hear kind of, you know, what that means to you. Yeah. I, I take a lot of pride in being a woman in sports. Like you mentioned, it's, it's a field that's full of men. And I think that's, that's also a great thing too, because I think as a woman, you have an opportunity to maybe stand out a little bit more and you can take that as a negative, but you can also turn that into a positive. And I think a lot of people see it as a negative saying like, Oh, you're in a male dominated field. Like, do you take that as a disadvantage or advantage? And I think you can turn that into your advantage of saying, hey, I'll stand out regardless just because I'm simply a woman and that's okay. But it also, um, I think, is a little difficult because a lot of times when men like enter into a field or let's say like go into a press conference, they kind of have that um, recognition and confidence already because they're a male and because people just assume like, oh, he knows sports. But like when I walk into a press conference, I think most people are probably like, okay, she needs to prove herself versus, you know, you already have that instilled confidence in a lot of men that you you think they know football or you think they know basketball, but what's this girl know about sports, right? So I think that's a lot of um, just, I think it's just a lot of bias that's been built up a lot of the years. And I think we're starting to change that, which is why I say we, I take a lot of pride in, in being a woman in sports because, you know, you're here to change that narrative um, that women do belong here. And I think we've taken so many great leaps and bounds um, just in leveling the playing field between men and women in this field. But there's still a lot to go. I mean, I still get comments a lot. I mean, whether that be on social media or even in person from men, you know, saying like, hey, just don't be another face out there, like, you know, or questioning why you're in this field. I think you're always going to get that. And it's just kind of part of the territory, but doesn't mean it's right, but it, it's something that women do have to deal with. And I'm sure there's plenty of women that have come on here and told stories too, just about um, different treatment and just kind of being questioned more than, than a male counterpart would be. But I take that as a personal challenge, honestly, like I don't, and I'm not scared. I don't say no to opportunities because I'm a woman and doesn't, it doesn't, you know, phase me. And I think that's been a big part of why I am uh, where I am and how I am as a person. But yeah, I take big pride in it. Um, my biggest motto is if you can see it, you can be it. And that just means um, representation for women matters so much in sports. And I love that we're having so many more women in coaching and even in refereeing and also just playing um, and seeing all the TV coverage for women's sports has been huge just because like little girls need role models. And, you know, if I'm having a bad day and I just don't want to, you know, be at this game or whatever it may be, I always think of a little girl, maybe in the stands that can look and see me and say like, Hey mom, dad, I can do that because she's out there. And like, that's how it started for me. When I mentioned Samantha Ponder, like I saw her on TV and was like, Oh my gosh, she has that job. I want to do that. I want to be her. But if I only saw men on TV, like, you know, the people in the past did, then I probably wouldn't have thought it would be a career. So that's why if you can see it, you can be, it is so big to me, but yeah, I take, 
I don't take being a woman in sports lightly. It's it's a huge honor to be, and I'm excited just for the growth of women's sports and getting to be a part of it. It's an exciting time. I love it. That was a great answer. Awesome. Well, we've got three rapid fire questions for you here to wrap things up. They're more on the fun, light side of thing if you're game for them. Let's do it. All right. So the first one, it is the beginning of college baseball season. I know the big question that a lot of the players always ask and spend countless, sometimes too many hours on is their walk-up song. So if you were playing baseball and you're walking up to the plate, what is blasting at the stadium for you? Uh, it's got to be Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. I mean, that that is the ultimate pump-up song, in my, in my opinion. Um, I, I think it would have to be that. I love it. Matt, you got number two. That's a great song. I, I, I like that. <laughs> um, so you've obviously had a, a lot of awesome opportunities being in the sports industry. So, you know, what's either your coolest sports memory or the, the coolest stadium that you've been able to report in or, or anything, you know, you know, like your your top moment, I guess, of your career so far? Ooh, that's a really good question. And, and a lot come to mind. Um, my one of my favorite stories is interviewing Kevin Love and um, it was like pre-COVID, it was 2019, or no, it was 2020, but in February, right before everything shut down. And I got to cover an NBA game in college, which was super cool, crazy story on that. But um, I was in the locker room post-game, with it was uh, Cavs versus Nuggets, and um, Kevin Love was in there, and he had this huge media posse around him, of course, everyone's trying to talk to him. And I'm like in the back, I'm a student, I'm like probably 19, I'm 19 years old, like I'm I'm a little nervous to, you know, be in the presence of Kevin Love, who I looked up to forever as a Timberwolves fan. And um, he was sitting there and, uh, and just talking to all the media, and then the security was like, all right, like he's done, he's done, like everyone, everyone go away. But I was still standing there with my little camera, like, you know, just like looking at him, probably like in shock, and... He looks at me, he's like, oh, no, she's good. She can ask a couple questions. So I got to do like a little one-on-one with Kevin Love. And that was like one of the coolest things. And I'll, I'll be forever grateful to Kevin Love for like being so kind and so welcoming to somebody that obviously was so young and had um, little experience at that time. So that was, that was a pretty cool moment. I love that. I know people always say they don't want to meet your heroes, but that's one of the cool stories of you yeah. meet the hero yeah. and he turns out to be as good as you'd hope he'd be. For sure. Absolutely. And then the third question we have for all of our guests at the very end is sort of as an appreciation for hopping on the podcast. We like to allow our guests to maybe pass the baton on to someone else in the sports industry that you think could be a cool next person to have on the show. Ooh, um, I've got a lot of lot of ideas for you. I think Avery Howard, she works with me as well. Um, she was a student athlete at UNO and we worked together at Heard at Sports. She's a great story. Um, also, Andrew Rogers, who I mentioned previously. He'd be an awesome one, too, just because um, he has a really cool journey working in news and radio. And now he's uh, actually just moved down to St. Louis and is going to work for us remotely. So he's a he's a great personality, too. But yeah, any of my coworkers, really, I got to got to brag about her at sports. Absolutely. I love it. Well, we had a blast getting to talk to you. So I'm sure anyone that you're willing to send our way is going to be a blast as well. But Matt, unless you've got anything else to throw in, this has been a blast getting to hear your story and all about your journey. Yeah, thank you. guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. So for Dylan, Matt, and Anna, until the next time, the side is retired.